This special episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by Royal Thai Garden of a Beach. Royal Thai Garden of a Beach, the deliciousest, most tastiest, uh, delectabiliest Thai food on the face of this planet. Go order takeout from them. You will not regret it. Mention Blue Hawaii Podcast. Get 20% off probably. But if not, again, don't be an asshole because times are tough. Ladies and gentlemen. Wait a second. Make sure tell him tell him the tip too. Oh yeah. And tip says Josh. By the way, he's back. Yeah. We often hear holly meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced to foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is Haole. I'm Leilani Poli Ahu. Ahui ho. Haole. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Uh, you hear Josh on the phone there. Josh, say hello. Hey, everybody. Hey, so uh, Josh, you decided he just couldn't take it. He was he got sick of me having all this fun uh, scheduling, yep. recording, editing, and then posting these uh, episodes myself. He decided he needed to get on the action. So uh, Josh is joining us live via telephone from about 150 <laughs> yards away. <laughs> from he's my house, the, he's the he's the Simon. I'm the Garfunkel. That I is was Paul Simon. Was he the good one? I, I, he kind of yeah. seems like the asshole, but I guess given that little bit I just did, it makes sense. Um, I mean, don't read too. I mean, don't read much to it. It's not a perfect analogy, <laughs> but like it's there. I'm a I'm a uh, was I'm an impetuous uh, old musician uh, with uh, questionable taste in quitting partnerships. Um, anywho. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back. The man, the myth, the legend, Josh Michaels. The king has returned. Um, oh, and I brought a friend. I brought a friend. And a we very have. A epidemiologist to talk to us about infectious diseases and how governments tend to respond or don't respond to those infectious diseases. It could not, literally could not be more timely. Well, Josh, would you mind introducing your very special friend? Yes, please. Welcome to the show. My friend, your new friend, Dr. Thomas Lee. Dr. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Tom, hit us with a bio. Hit us with a quick bio. Quali- hit him with the qualification. Oh, yeah, it's true. That's uh, true. Why, why should we listen to you, Tom? Well, you, well you, sh- you should always trust. You should always be skeptical of everything here. That's what okay. I tell my students. But basically, I I got my master's and uh, PhD in epidemiology from the University of Hawaii. Uh, shout out to the Rainbow Warriors. Go Bows. So, and that's Go what Bose. I currently teach as well. And now, what is epidemiology? It is not the study of skin, which a lot of people actually make the mistake of. I think they think epi and think epidermis, which is not true. So epidemiology is essentially... Uh, uh, Latin 101. Yep. It's essentially the study of figuring out causal relationships between possible risk factors and exposures and diseases. Obviously, right now we're dealing with the coronavirus, so we're trying to figure out what exactly causes it, how it works, how it operates, and how it spreads. Well, let's just go ahead and ask the first question, which is, uh, this isn't much different than the flu, right? It is, in fact, very much different from the flu. What? So, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. So, We've been lied to. That, that's probably not the first or the last time that that will happen. So, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the, the golden poster boy, the, the person that everybody should be getting their information from. Um, the goat. Head of, yeah, the goat. Literally the goat. Okay. Right now, um, I was I just brushed up. He he's done several very good interviews. One of uh, which was done with Trevor Noah. But basically, he said it is not like the seasonal flu. 
the seasonal flu kills about 0.1% um, of all of the people who have it compared to uh, COVID-19, which kills about 1%. So that's a magnitude of 10 times greater than the seasonal flu. It is also more infectious than the seasonal flu. So you put those two things together, it is much more serious than your run-of-the-mill seasonal influenza. But Dr. Lee, I don't get it. I mean, if 1% of all the people in the U.S. die, that's not even that much, right? It's no one that I know and love. Well, so what, what public health and what epidemiologists tend to put out in terms of numbers is what you said, 1%, right? 1% relatively is not big compared to 100%. However, Except that it's 3.5 million people. <laughs> exactly. So once you apply it to the magnitude, right, you apply an absolute number to it, that's when it starts to get scary, right? Over 3 million people, and then you apply that to the state. The state population is a little over a million people. 1% of that, that's 100,000 people, right? So uh, I think 1% of, of, of uh, Hawaii's population would be 10,000 people, correct? Sorry, 10,000 people, yeah. And that's okay. why you should never take everything up for face value. <laughs> Okay, I gotta play devil's advocate really quick. Devil's advocate, it'll be good for traffic, right? I mean, huh. silver lining. That's probably the only silver lining. Um, well, uh, we should, maybe we should, we should probably cut. Maybe we should cut that joke. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, you, there are so many second, secondary, and tertiary effects yeah. to this that you know, and and it, it extends to all aspects of health, right? Uh, education. Uh, the economy, right? All of which are closely tied into health. We could spend hours talking about that, but this is your podcast. I'll let you uh, take the lead and where you want to go. Well, let so me just—I'll take oh, you to yeah. the, the next place that I want to go. Is uh, <laughs> I've heard it's probably not that, Wuhan. <laughs> that's true. It is not Wuhan. It's also not uh, Seattle or New York. I have heard that uh, a, a very reliable, high-level ranking government official has uh, informed me that uh as of february we had about 15 cases but we were but we would soon have zero has that happened not in the united states i mean the only places where we've then why would president trump have said that well before i answer that let me make a quick disclaimer that (laughs) i'm also a, uh, a medical officer in the united states reserves and anything that I say is clear, is solely an opinion of mine and does not represent uh, the United States military Ryan, or the Department of Defense. Ryan, <laughs> please stop trying to get all of our guests fired. <laughs> no, but, 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 no, but no. Were you talking about his boss? Point. No, but this is an important point because um, as we start to deep dive into differences in the responses uh, between countries, especially the United States, compared to a lot of the Asian counterparts have had a lot more success in the responses uh we have there, there's a clear pattern in terms of a a top-down consistent messaging approach from the governments for example in japan korea taiwan hong kong um compared to the united states and so that is just that it's nothing against the administration it's just it's fact it's something that people can see clear as day and um that that, that is an issue in terms of how the united states has responded to this pandemic so for us here in Hawaii, you know, it, it, as, as they say, it's just, quote unquote, just starting to ramp up. Can you tell us what the next week, two weeks, month, two months will look like for us here on Oahu and in the rest of the state? I, I wish I could give you accurate numbers. You know, I think that's the that's the magic bullet that everybody is searching for in the state and also uh, nationally. What information I can give you is 
whatever I can I can explain to you the process I wish we get the information and our production. Yeah. So basically when we get the numbers day by day, I think today was like 29 new cases, right? That's not the number of cases today, right? It's, it, there's a lag time due to the testing and due to, you know, people coming in. So it's not reflecting the situation on the ground today. It's sure. more likely reflecting the situation, you know, five to 10, maybe after two, two weeks prior to today. So we have to take that into a grain of salt. With that being said, the trajectory of coronavirus initially without many without a lot of mitigation efforts is the same regardless of location you know china korea japan united states italy germany all experience the same exponential growth where we see the differences differ or where we see the differences in the projection and eventually how it plays out between these countries is the severity and the of the responses between these countries and the coronation efforts. And so within the state of Hawaii, once again, as, as a faculty member, um, we work really closely with the Department of Health. However, I, I don't think anybody would disagree that we could have improved our, sure. uh, the, the Department of Health could have improved their uh, response. And I think a large part of it had to do with once a uh, lack of a clear communication uh, channel and a clear chain of command in the state. And we also see that mirrored in the federal government as well. So I have a question. Um, you know, our lieutenant governor currently is, uh, I don't know if you know this, but he's actually a doctor. And, yes, he is. Uh, he was, you may have shall, we s- shall we say, uh, extracted, excised, uh, to use a medical term, um, from blackball to use another medical term. <laughs> that's that blackball. If you if they're using blackball as a medical term for you, you've got some big problems, my friend. Um, anywho, uh, Doctor Green, Doctor Josh Green, Lieutenant Governor Green, was removed from Hawaii's Coronavirus Task Force um, and replaced with uh, Major General Kenneth Hara of the Hawaii National Guard. Uh, but I don't believe that uh, Major General Hara has any. Um, specific medical training. Is there any reason, any cause for concern uh, among, you know, Hawaii citizens, uh, among the epidemiologists that you know, um, given Dr. Green's sort of removal from his post as the leader of Hawaii's fight against coronavirus? Sure. So there's a couple parts to this response. First one is, you know, I, I'm not tied into, I, I don't have the insight you guys do in terms of politics and politicians. Oh, we just fake it. (laughs) But, but from, you know, I get my information for the most part, just like you do probably from Hawaii News Now. And per the governor, he said Josh Green is still part of that. Uh, He's still serving as that medical liaison um, and still part of that coronavirus local task force where I think some people were, where it's important to differentiate what actually occurred is so the initial response was headed by the Department of Health, um, Dr. Bruce Anderson, the director of DOH, and uh, Dr. Sarah Park, our state epidemiologist. And given their resources, uh, they were doing their best. Obviously, they would—they were the first to recognize that it could have been better. But you know, we're we're the small—we're not a big state. Our limit, our manpower is, is limited, so we have to keep that in mind. The benefit of 
bringing in General Hara, and, and let me, for the viewers who, the listeners who may not understand why he was brought in. So uh, he is the head of HAIMA, which is the Hawaii Emergency Management Task Force, basically, to handle any uh, emergency, whether it be national or uh, like a hurricane, typhoon, or a Missile alert. emergency. Like, if it, oh, I'm, not, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> And that's part of the many hats he wears as, you know, one of the top National Guard guys. Well, right? for, for what it's worth, uh, Hayama no, no longer controls the missile alert responses, so we are, we're in the clear there. That's good. But I'm a medical guy. I stay in my lane, but that's good. To, you know, but so, so he was brought on because Hayama was activated. And the benefits that that provides is now um, there is a clear chain of command, and this is to the best of my knowledge, with how the military operates and how I assume um, the operations are working. Obviously, I can't speak to it because I'm not part of it, but um, there, now, there is no question who is, who is running it, where the information should be going, um, theoretically, right? Obviously, hopefully. There's, there's, hopefully, there's probably still some gaps, but I, you know, with General Hara taking the lead, there's a lot. There should be a lot more direction, at least theoretically, how it should work. So sure. there, is, there is a lot of benefit with General Hart being on board. From my understanding, from what the news, the news sources are re- reporting, uh, Lieutenant Governor Green, Dr. Green, is still intimately involved, um, and, and that's you know, un, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, that's all I can speak to because uh, I try to stay out of politics as much as possible. Uh, um, Good luck. Because that's that's that's, that's yeah. your realm. Use the guys at the end. Oh, God help us. God help us. No, so the three of us, the three of us are social distancing right now. Like, we are recording this in quarantine remotely. Yeah, sure. You know, good faith, I had no, I have no idea what percentage of our workforce, our, you know, our population is abiding by suggestions in good faith, direction, this direction in good faith. Yeah. With assuming an average rate of cooperation, you know, and precaution and, and an average rate of, or whatever prediction you're seeing. How long do you anticipate we could be in this sort of lockdown-ish scenario? Josh, don't sound too excited when you ask that question, by the way, because I know you're loving this. I'm, there are ups- I'm just saying there are upsides. There are upsides <laughs> and downsides, like all things in life. But, you know, hypothetically. like, cause, how, how long you know, can Josh pay- expect to be able to play FIFA naked all morning? <laughs> if you listen to, well, if you listen to people on Twitter, they there's there people think, you know, oh well, you know, once the government declares martial law, like years, but obviously that's not gonna happen. But you know, Hungary today just uh, suspended parliament and gave uh, Prime Minister Orban unlimited detention power, so Yes You know, there are you know, there are all sorts of possibilities here. So uh, Tom, what do you think? So I am a data guy first and foremost and you know all of most majority of my decisions are made looking at data and so what we can what data we have access to is china because they were the first ones really hard hit and, and yeah. we can see the the timeline and, and the decrease in the number of new cases based on their mitigation efforts obviously they have a different different form of government and right. we, the united states could not get away but if you look at but but that's worth noting because they instituted very draconian measures of social distancing and yeah. it took them around six to seven weeks for them to really start to see major changes in terms of where they actually did not see uh, a, a large number of new cases every day, right? And if it took China around six weeks with 
those particular mitigation efforts, right, we can only imagine how long it's going to take the United States, the state of yeah. and then the state, the state of Hawaii, especially because you know China reacted not the fastest. Yeah. But but quick. They kind of pooed it at first. Yeah. They did, but a lot faster than the United States. As right, a, as because a, they don't have the same sort of mobilization issues. Now, okay, exactly. so here's a question. A question I had. So. I'm not trying to get you into trouble here because no, 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 it's, it's a sensitive question, but you know, I know you're you're an expert, particularly when it comes to the Asia-Pacific region, and you you know the, the foreign policy side of it. And obviously, you mentioned mm-hmm. the government can do a lot of things in China that they can't do here in terms of getting people to comply with testing, quarantine, but also Murder mobilizing them. resources, etc. But you know, given what you know and working in the region like you've done, do you take uh, the official numbers and reporting at face value? So or is that something you kind of have to do? Yeah, or how do so you, you how do you bit. how do you adjust? Mm-hmm. So you broke up a little bit, but my I'm assuming you're you because I, I got the gist. So basically, you're saying should we take the numbers that uh, China is reporting at face value? Exactly. Yeah. So, so this goes back to the one of the first things I said on the show earlier tonight is I to be a skeptic about everything, even from the CDC, even from the even from, from Fauci, JAMA. except for Fauci, right? We can trust even Fauci? from Fauci, because even I, from Fauci, he, grain of salt. He, okay. Because he is human, and human, okay. no one is perfect, right? So Respect. speak for yourself. But, but that's, but, but that, yeah, I'm definitely not perfect. My wife will say, will be the first one to tell me that. <laughs> but, um, but it's all, but that's why science is so great. It needs to be repeated, right? So, it, once multiple people prove it to be true, then yeah. we can take it for a fact. Okay. Right, right now, it's it's really, it's really hard to say. It's, yeah. I mean, because this is such a politically charged thing, yeah. you know, and obviously there's a lot of uh, national security implications involved. I, you know, I, you know I, I don't have access to that, and I wouldn't want access to that. Yeah. However, however, what we can speak to is at least the data that we're getting from peer-reviewed journals, from, from, from articles that have been published in peer-reviewed journals, that those data and those articles have provided positive benefits to the medical and scientific community as a whole. So we, we've, because of the studies conducted in China, we've been able to figure out, get a better handle of how quickly the virus spreads, uh, you know, the case fatality rate, the r not, which is the infectivity of COVID. Because right now, as we're dealing with the United States, it's really hard for us to crunch the numbers because we're responding to it. We're not, we don't have the time to analyze it. Where China is yeah. right now, now they have the luxury report stuff up and this is the the good slash bad thing about science is it takes a while to yeah. get studies reviewed because it goes through the peer review process however nine times out of ten once again not the hundred percent but nine times out of ten it's, it's very trustworthy once it gets published because it's been vetted so in terms of what we're seeing from the the biology the immunology the epidemiology of it we can trust that in terms of the absolute numbers and the timeline that is something that's still open to uh, interpretation and judgment. Got it. So there's some things, at least when it comes to numbers, that propaganda can't fudge too much. Some th- the numbers exactly. will always speak for themselves. Cool. Exactly. So I have another question. So we, we asked a lot of sort of silly kind of, you know, uh, tongue-in-cheek questions, but this one is uh, is very earnest. So, you know, one of the things that the Trump administration is, has been lambasted for the most is uh, a lack of available tests for COVID-19. Yes. How much harder 
uh, is it to do your job as an epidemiologist to understand the spread of the disease, the the scope of the disease without the adequate testing? Because it seems to me like uh, flying blind doesn't even seem like the right the right analogy to me. It seems like, you know, flying with no engines and just kind of gliding and hoping that you hit the runway. Like how much harder is it because of the lack of tests? It's incredibly hard. And I say that not to place blame, but remembering that epidemiology is first and foremost based on population level data that, and when when we're dealing with an infectious disease, there's two, you know, so you've heard what, so one of the, and I'm, I'm hopefully I'm not running too long, but there's two terms no, that everybody. We have all the time in the world, baby. So there's four terms that everybody who's listening to this podcast should know, regardless of they're an expert in health or not. The first two, before I get into the technical terms, there is a difference between quarantine and isolation, and the media mixes that up a lot. Yeah. But there, it, it speaks. It, 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 it need, there needs to be differentiated between that quarantine is when someone who is suspected exposure to it but not a confirmed case removes his or herself from the population right so we don't really know but there's a chance so you're going to remove yourself isolation is when that person is a confirmed case and then is in self-isolation meaning that we know that there's going to be benefit to that so that's the difference mm. between quarantine and isolation okay first and foremost the other two that you've you're not seeing quite as much because we've pretty much have a pretty good grasp on the numbers and how the coronavirus works is there's two terms that I kind of mentioned briefly, the R naught and the case fatality rate or CFR. So the R naught refers to the, how infectious a particular agent is or infectious disease is. Uh, so the R naught for coronavirus, for the most part, when it's running rampant is about 2.5, which means for, so basically if we we're all in the same room and uh, I had it. You two would definitely, based on the numbers, statistically would also have that disease. You better stay the hell away from me, Tom. <laughs> well, good thing we're, I have no clue where you are. I'm not going to stalk you, but I'm pretty sure I'm at least a couple thousand uh, meters away. Give or take. <laughs> Isn't that exactly what a stalker would say, though, Tom? Yeah. Well, you got to yeah. be on a psychologist. Psychologists answer that one. But... <laughs> You've got at least one in your building, right? I mean... Well, my wife would be upset if I said that, but um, That's yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So, so that one is important because that that, that helps people understand um, the differences between once again the, the seasonal flu, uh, yeah. coronavirus, and also it's not as uh, you know it's not as scary as measles. Right, measles is highly infectious. The the R not for measles is like eighteen point five. So we're not there yet, and we should be glad that it's not as infectious as measles. Because the other thing, the other term to keep in mind when we're thinking about corona and comparing it is the case fatality rate, which is the total number of, in the numerator, the total number of cases who died over the total number of cases. So that denominator is refers to the total number of people who have been confirmed to be a case. And once again, it speaks to your original question, which is, you know, as epidemiologists, if there's a lack of testing, we're really flying blind because we act, we cannot accurately determine at any, any single point in time the true burden of yeah. disease for any population, and, and and therefore, and that's huge not just for policymakers for this current point in time, but like you guys asked, well, when is this going to really end? Right, and, and 
we have very much smarter people than myself working on these models. However, they're working on many different assumptions with very complex modeling. However, if we don't have an accurate, pop, you know, accurate number of the population who's currently affected, it, the the, the protections can be can range, and it's and, it's, and with that range, it can really confuse the public and also sure. confuse the policymakers. And so, so, okay, so sure. yes, it, it, it does really hamper our ability to to speak to the accuracy of the, the severity of the issue wherever we are. And so, well, specifically in the Hawaii, in the state of Hawaii and the United States, because they're uniformly acknowledged that we messed up on testing. So one question uh, that I've been wondering uh, about all day, because uh, the governor of Virginia entered uh, an executive order, issued an executive order uh, calling to close the state down basically until, I believe, the middle of June. Um, okay. What's your best guess on how long, with the dat- data you have, what's the best guess that you have on how long we're going to be sort of in this, you know, orbit of social distancing in Hawaii. Sure. Sure. So it's the end of March, right? I can't believe March flew by so quickly. End of March, right? So, you know, we already have end of April for the statewide and the countywide ban. My best guess, if we were, if everybody's taking it seriously, like without the mandate that China had, but if we're taking it seriously, if we finally get all the testing up and running, like Korea and Taiwan did in the state of Hawaii, maybe maybe sometime in june but that's that's with a lot of assumptions but wow. knows, you know maybe but no but 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 once again right we it's not we're not looking at things in a vacuum if if we find if there, if a researcher finds a cure or really great treatment tomorrow or in the next week right that can severely affect the the trajectory that we are on sure however that the, the caveat being that like dr fauci said you know, the past couple of days on his interviews, if the coronavirus acts like it does, like it's other less serious sister and brother strains, sure. we, ex- we expect it to die out due to the heat during the summertime in the Northern Hemisphere. Okay. That being, that being said, without a vaccine, it will probably flare up again during the same time the flu. So until we have a way to prevent future cases, it might, it's, not beyond a reasonable reasonable doubt to think that it could turn into a seasonal occurrence. Wow. So that's so that's also something to keep in mind. I, right? I, so I saw even, Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I saw a a Twitter thread on uh I, I it's probably I don't know, it's hard to tell. March feels like it's been ten years long. Um it's probably two weeks ago. Somebody was talking about, you know, we hear a lot about the the Spanish flu of nineteen seventeen whatever happened to that? And, uh, somebody posted there like, so they, you know, they did the digging, talked to a couple of epidemiologists and they're like, it didn't go away. It never went away. It just, that strain, like humans had developed herd immunity basically. And, uh, people would, who, who were, you know, not, uh, inoculated from to it, uh, given their own biology, they would still get it periodically. And that, uh, kind of like what you're saying, you know, like, the Spanish flu can still flare up and we don't have immunities to that. You know, it's COVID-19 can still flare up and we don't have immunities to that. It's one of those things where we need a vaccine for this, this particular thing 
this particular virus if, if it's going to be an effective way to suppress you know future outbreaks counterpoint exactly. counterpoint how are we going to deal with all the new autistic people <laughs> that, that is another hour-long podcast for another day <laughs> well let me let oh, me ask question, you. question for tom yes sorry you don't have any questions so for I, me uh, appropriate uh you know what, what better way to spend the time locked at home fearing a deadly pathogen i just watched uh, the great movie outbreak starring dustin hoffman and cuba Gooding sure. jr and mm-hmm. you know for just to paint some context for our listeners who are not familiar with dr lee uh, he is not just some like you know scrawny nerd behind a desk <laughs> he's a he's lab. a graduate like, of the punahou school the premier private oh, school institution on oahu right no but he doesn't he doesn't just have the brains he has bronze like uh fought fought muay thai um you know how many how many doctor epidemiologists do you know that are sponsored by i don't know i don't know many he could bring bring his own disaster survival gear like he's exactly you want in this action it's badass my question is who would you who would play you obviously you would do all your own stunts but who would play you in uh the disaster movie if covid19 in hawaii gets really bad gently well uh... But if he was like 20 years younger It's called Thomas Lee Whoops coronavirus's ass <laughs> No you guys are too kind Let's just say if there's a movie about me Then everybody's dead And whoever <laughs> that one person is Has too much time on their hands Because the world has ended I have okay. It's I have, like I, a, what if it's like a Warner Herzog documentary About how absurd our response was Or something <laughs> then we're all yeah. then we're all gonna be in a very happy place because uh hopefully it's absurd because we overdid it um hopefully. dr lee one final question i have because i i, I don't want to keep you too long and i want these to no, be sort of shorter episodes for the listeners but um there's been a lot of talk about reopening the country quote unquote uh by easter and that seems to be obviously unrealistic and <laughs> bad yeah, stupid is the word well, I would use. Also, no, I mean, Trump, Trump is walking it back now. Not that anything he says, you know, you can... You can't trust anything. On, but but my, my, my question is, you know, at some point, at some point there is a, a, a balancing act to be done between, you know, the risk of transmission of the disease, not the risk to human life, but the risk of transmission of the disease versus, you know, the economic uh, consequences of shutting down... Uh, the entire country is that something that sort of the epidemiologists consider or are you guys purely on the you know how do we track this and control the spread so that's a great question and i and i can only speak for myself as an epidemiologist sure if i would say no that 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 is not the only thing we factor because as public health professionals we understand that health is tied into not just the disease agent itself, but every other aspect in life, right? Like sure. earlier, education, healthcare, yep. access to healthcare, diet, um, you know, economics is one huge one, right? So obviously we we need to balance it, you know, and, and I think every public health professional would, would agree that it can't, while we need to focus right now on the mitigation efforts, we also have to think about when will we, have to face the music in terms of balancing yeah. the shutdown, the economic shutdown with the the benefits of social distancing, 
and these mitigation efforts, you know, so there's, so there, there's, there, it's not, a, there, there's no easy solution. So on one hand, you can make the, you know, I know people are arguing that if we open up too soon, right. And that's I mean, what that, the biggest and fastest impact that's going to have is an overrun on our current healthcare system. And besides that people dying from coronavirus, you know, and, and including our healthcare professionals, the, 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 the angels, the, the, the great people working on the front lines, that's going to affect people who have regular, not regular, but who have pre-existing chronic and infectious disease conditions sure. like diabetes. Things, things that are easily manageable in a normal healthcare setting will, will then become deadly because our healthcare system was overrun because we opened up too soon and we did not control the spread. So, so that's one thing. The other thing, however, is we know that health is intimately tied into education and unfortunately, in our society, education is tied to economics. That's true. And therefore, we have to understand and we have to recognize that. And people with far more power and more brain power have to think about the consequences of if we shut down for too long, how is that going to, what are the secondary, tertiary impacts and how long will those impacts reverberate throughout our state? And our national and even global economy. However, there is, re- you know, so not to end with it, and I don't want to end with this doom and gloom because I always do that. No, don't worry. I've got, one <laughs> la- I've got a last good question. Okay. So, so students, you know, my students always hear the doom and gloom first, and then I always end class with a, but there's hope. So the hope is that if you look at China, but more importantly, Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, they were able to really limit the impact while not 100% mit- uh destroying their economy yeah however the only the the reasons why they did that is because they took it seriously and unfortunately i'm not sure hopefully there's still time enough time for us to to take it seriously at a national level but they took it seriously because they were hit hard in 2003 by sars and in 2015 by uh by mers the middle eastern uh, respiratory syndrome right and so they lived through it so they responded with tremendous speed, with uh, with all their willpower, not just from the government, but from the public as well. So there is hope. You know, I don't know how much hope, but there is hope for us to recover from it economically and, you know, from a population level as well. But Tom, if we take this seriously, how are we going to troll the libs? Yeah. <laughs> are you willing to die for the free market? <laughs> like all those grandparents on Fox Business News? Which of your grandparents I, would you sacrifice for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, Tom? None. Uh, but fortunately, you're you're a, you're a terrible American. Well, I serve my country, so. Uh, no <laughs> <one can do laughs> that. Uh, but you know, I, I, I yeah. it shouldn't come. You know, every human life is obviously worthwhile, and that's where we have researchers, scientists, healthcare professionals who are experts in this to advise policymakers who can then have the greatest impact in, in saving lives. Um, and, and, and also, you know, mentor the policymakers and tell them, Hey, the economy can rebound, look at other countries, look at our history. However, there is, there will be no economy if our population is decimated because we didn't do, we, 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 we weren't able to have the foresight to look past the short term consequences economically 
and 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 deal with the potential long-term consequences if we didn't take this seriously. So my hope is that Dr. Fauci leading the way, tip of the spear, we have all of our angels in our in our hospitals and our community health centers. You know, we, we we will overcome this. It's just everybody needs to take this seriously. In the state of Hawaii, please do not. You know, for all the listeners out there, please seriously. Unless you need to go pick up groceries once a week, twice a week, you have a loved one who needs absolute caring. Stay home. I Nintendo Switch. I gave in, bought my wife one. We're playing Mario Kart every night. This Jordan will let me have one. Save... <laughs> this is the one time you can save humanity by staying at home, playing video games, being on social media for 10 hours a day. This is your one and only chance. Perfect. So... Everybody Actually, do part. Hey, hey, Tom, and, and I, I, I swear to God, I'm going to give Josh the last question. I just keep having all these thoughts that come up. So Central Pacific Bank Foundation uh, just uh, started a program called Keep Hawaii Cooking. For those of you listeners yeah. who are not familiar, keephawaiicooking.com. They're uh, basically reimbursing uh, participants, participants in that program 50% of their uh, dining out total for a to-go order for from participating restaurants, is it okay to do that? Is that are we being irresponsible fi- by going and grabbing pickup? Is it a thing, or by grabbing takeout? Is it something that we shouldn't be doing whatsoever? Because, it, admittedly, I've done it twice in the last two days because it's been so cheap. But I don't want to make somebody sick. So like, sure. What's the way so, to handle that? So 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 that's a great that's a great point. And and to be honest, I I uh, the first day it came out, I took full advantage of it. I come from a Chinese heritage, so obviously I will <laughs> I will save money as long as, as long as it's healthy. And so, um, so once again, this this is this is why our people have always gotten along. <laughs> so this, but, but that's that's a very important question, uh, Ryan, because um, you know it, it hits a twofold. One, we want to support our local economy. We want to support the farmers, yeah, our business industries. At the, at the other time, at the, on the other hand, we also want to be medically responsible for not only ourselves uh, but whoever lives with us and, and whoever's delivering the food so i will say that as long as each business is up the code they are practicing proper hygiene what we know about the virus so far is that um it lives better on hard surfaces like metallic surfaces things without pores obviously if you know if, if you have a piece of meat that's cooked it won't you know and then it gets delivered and the person is virus free yeah there's nothing to worry about um there's always going to be risk because nothing is ever 100 percent risk free yeah however um based on what we understand about the virus um the main mode of transmission is not from the food it's from aerosolized form from these droplets so you're okay. more likely to get it from someone who's delivering the food versus the person preparing the food <laughs> tell them just drop it off and like back the hell up <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's literally what should be happening anyway um when, when, you're, when you're getting the food yeah so dude, not not even an elbow bump throw the shaka you know okay here's my six feet six foot bubble yep. leave it on the ground. all online perfect yeah yeah it's not, it won't be like macaulay culkin where you have the um, the firecrackers and then the, the recording of the video but um but yeah it's gonna <laughs> be that at least at six feet all right josh final question yes so Tom, yes. you decided in the practice of self-quarantine, you decided to seclude yourself on a desert island. And in combination with your Ironman training, you decided to swim there, but that's the point. <laughs> you were able to bring 
one book, one movie, and one album. What did you bring? Who? Okay, the book. Let me throw the book. Uh, one, one author came to mind, and I'm blanking out on the. Uh, okay, no, no. So, okay, the book would be Executive Order by Tom Clancy. Okay. The reason, and the reason why I bring that book up is because he, whenever he wrote it, I think in like the early '90s, early '80s, he predicted something this would happen. Oh not yeah. A, not not as a naturally occurring phenomenon, which also is debatable right now. But I'm not going to speak to that. Ooh, but, but, but but he dealt with a situation where a terrorist organization weaponized Ebola. Yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yep, but, but he also looked at the political consequences of, because we don't know if this is going to happen in the future, um, shutting down state and county lines to deal with the spread. So the president, President Jack Ryan, the main uh, protagonist of this entire series. That's John Krasinski, made, right? Yeah, well, may, once he got married and had a couple kids, yeah. <laughs> spoiler, sorry, sorry, spoiler alert. But that's why I read the books and not just watch uh, the Amazon series. But um, yes. So he looked at not just the health issues, and, and he does a really good job of looking at the, the military response because that, that's his forte, which is look, you know researching military, you know army, navy, etc., and how they operate. So he talks about that, but also the legal ramifications, which I'm sure both of you will appreciate. Those challenges, Supreme Court. Yeah, was, absolutely. Is, is, is yep. it illegal to shut down even in a time of emergency? Right. So yep. I won't spoil it, but but. But that would be the book that I took because I've read that so many times and it's just surreal to, to, to live in at a time where a lot of his predictions came true. Yeah. So that would be the book that, that I would take. Movie. So, I, and, and I apologize to the people who know me. I did not give my alma mater, my, my undergraduate alma mater, a proper shot up. Um, the movie I would take, obviously, is Rudy. So if you don't know that, then Never I graduated from Notre Dame. Well, then Never heard of my it. friend. Well, isn't that uh and that near where pete Buttigieg is uh is a mayor? <laughs> that is great yeah you 10 points um but yeah so uh, i would take rudy that would, you know that's one of my all-time favorites and i'm obviously very biased for that selection and then the what was the last thing album the book, movie album Oof. so i will go back to my my roots roots in terms of my childhood, and I will probably select hmm, some Bach Sonata CD because one thing I try to the keep Goldberg variations. <laughs> yeah, uh, were you I, one of those I, uh, classical music kids who was force-fed classical music? To, Josh, to, now to you're stereotyping. To, to feed once again into the uh, Chinese Asian stereotype, I was oh, never mind. Incur- I was encouraged to continue to practice the violin starting from the age of four and vigorously practice vigorously and extensively for many hours <laughs> uh, especially on the weekend <laughs> um but, yep. I, but 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 thank god you know i appreciate my parents I, lo- I love you mom i love you dad i was gonna say <laughs> man i got it like until late 20s yeah you know like, it, 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 yeah because i, I kind of want to hate on that a little bit but like you're you're a goddamn doctor now and i'm like well like, phd epidemiologist clearly it, yeah clearly it panned out right yeah, well, I don't know. There's well, something to it. Now, after after some uh, therapy sessions, of course. After just a few, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude, I mean, me and Ryan. What else are your twenties for? We've been there. That's true. Yeah. I, I'm I'm well, there currently. 
playing Warcraft, of course. Well, <laughs> that's true. I've heard uh, I've heard girls are very into guys who uh, all they do is play Warcraft and uh, violin concertos. So I think you're sounds like you're you've done very well for yourself, Tom. Oh, not well, just girls, dude. That's true. Everybody's into yeah, it. That is that is true. So, no, I, yeah, if you have free time today, yeah, now's the perfect time to pick up an instrument. But yeah, so I, it would be, uh, I, you know, classical music. It, I would go back. I would choose something because you know that goes back to to my very early days. Well, Tom, you're a very classy gentleman. Uh, I've I Facebook stalked you during this interview, and you're very <laughs> handsome. You're very strong. I can tell. I saw you squatting weight with a woman on the bar. Um, this is you're just you're a very impressive guy all around. Uh, and now you are also. Uh, I'm bestowing on you the title of Blue Hawaii Podcast Official Epidemiologist Correspondent. So congratulations. That- that is worth more than uh, my doctorate degree. <laughs> I, 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 I would cherish that more. Resident, resident physician, even though he's not actually an MD. Resident, well, can we make oh, you the official resident physician? Yeah. I love you, Mom, but my mom will never let me live that town. She, she, to this day, still says I'm not a real doctor. Oh, she gives you that? That's not, oh, you're not a, I mean, you're kind of a doctor. Guys, God's honest truth. I took a class, medical sociology in college, and we did a unit on epidemiology. I was like, this is fascinating. And I was like, how do you become an epidemiologist? And my professor told me, he was like, you have to have your MD and your PhD. And I was like, well, I don't want to do med school for this. But if I'd have known I could just get a, a DPH, I'd be like, hell yeah, dude. Epidemiology is fascinating. And Tom, you're fascinating. So thank you very much for coming on this show. No, thank you for having me. Um, if you don't mind giving me 20 seconds shameless plug for plug. the uh, undergraduate program, hopefully whoever listens to this, um, now you understand the, the need for a strong public health community, not just epidemiology, but for everybody working on chronic diseases, primary prevention, public health is all about prevention, and ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, which we can definitely see playing out right today. Now. If we had, yeah, if we had screenings ready, if we had... The, the laws, procedures in place in this country, like other countries had, we would not be suffering the devastating, as devastating a consequence as we currently are. So if you are inspired by our public health workers, you can be a physician, you can be a nurse, you can be a doctor and still practice public health. You can also be a researcher, you know, a PhD in epidemiology, a PhD in public health, and still make great contributions to public health. So for all the kiddos, which I know there are many kiddos listening to this podcast, do not hesitate to reach out to UH. Stay local, eat local, study local, yes. work, yes. work local. Um, I love it. And all you adultos will, too. Yeah. Yeah. Not just, it is never too late to go back to school. Not just kiddos, adultos included. Don't go to law school. I wouldn't recommend that. School but if you do go to law school, go to the William S. Richardson School of Law. Go yeah. Bose. Yeah. Uh, yes. But before I, you go to any law school other than Richardson, you should study public health instead. <laughs> But Tom, thank you. Thank you for that shameless plug. Thank you. Uh, you're, no, and you're welcome to plug anytime you'd like. Josh, uh, thank you for coming back. I'm, it's really nice to hear your voice. Oh, thanks, man. It's good to be back. All right. Well, guys. Thanks again, uh, Tom, for joining us. Yeah. No, thank you. All right. Listeners, stay safe out there. Socially distance. Aloha. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.